Therefore, let all Israel be assured of that this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, when the people, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Well, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. The promise now is for you, he said to them, and your children, well, and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, and he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000? About 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day. 3,000 were added to their number that day. Man, when I read that, I said, that's amazing. That's amazing. Could that, could that, ha- well, that can't happen. Could, could it happen anymore? Lot, I don't know. Have we ever seen that happen? Has there ever been anything like that? Could that be? Do you suppose that next week, those 120 were wondering, what in the world is God doing? They had just 120 of them kind of hiding away in an upper room wondering what was next. And suddenly, God said, let me show you. And three, now we can't even conceptualize that. We don't have maybe 120 here today. I don't know what we have, but it doesn't matter. But what would happen, say we have 120. If 3,000 people started coming through the doors... Well, we, we wouldn't have enough chairs for them. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't fit them in here. The, cover, the air conditioning, the, the toilets and everything, we, we, we'd be overwhelmed. What do you suppose they were? Were they, though, excited? How, how do we incorporate these people that now are believers in Jesus... How do, we, how do we help them to become part of us and join us in this adventure of our faith? Mm. Okay. Could it really happen again, you think? Could it happen again? Well, the, I think the answer is yes and No. And let me explain a little bit. Number one, there are three conditions that, that have to exist for this to happen again. Number one, God, God has to be willing and able to do it again. Now, can God do it again? Well, I don't know of anything that would suggest that he couldn't. I don't know of anything that would suggest to me that he's weakened. You know, kind of got weak over time. He's, after all, pretty old. 
No, I don't think so. Could God do it again? Does he want, well, does he want his lost people found? You know, when I think about that, I realize those conditions haven't changed. That is the one constant of the three conditions. God wants his lost people found. God will provide his Holy Spirit to be the motivating, strengthening force for that to happen. Well, well, wait a minute. What are the other two conditions? Well, I think the second condition is that the pastoral team has to want to reach people for Christ. And they're willing to pay the price. Now, I mean really want to reach people for Christ. They want to see people come to faith, to be baptized, to begin a walk of service, to be incorporated into the body of Christ. They really have got to want that. Not just, well, yeah, it'd be nice to see the church grow. You know, we'd have you know more funds and we could do more. No, blah, blah, blah. No. No, they want the church to grow. And they're willing to pay the price. What, what is that price? The price is hard work. The pastoral team needs to work hard to do what God has called them to do, what God has instructed them to do, what God has designed them to do. Well, that's the second condition. So, so, is God, or, or, or can this happen again? The first answer is yes, because God can do what he obviously can do. What about the second condition? Are we prepared for that to happen with our pastoral team? Well, I'm not sure Peter and the apostles were prepared that day, but they wanted it to happen. And when God answered them, they suddenly said, Gulp! How do we deal with this? Now they did. But it overwhelmed them. Oh, wait, what's the third condition? Number one, can God, will God, is he willing to do that again? And I believe the answer is yes, because there's still lost people. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Number two, our pastoral team, do they really want to reach people, to show them Christ and the hope of His coming. I think they do. So that becomes a probably yes. Now the third condition is that the church also has to want to reach people for Christ and is willing to pay the price. By the way, the price there has nothing to do with money. I don't think money has anything to do with it. It's a willingness to do what needs to be done. Go back with me to that day on the day of Pentecost when when there were 3,000 people came in. What, What would everybody have had to do? Well, just stop to think about it. They had to have people baptize 3,000 people. Well, if they had 120 and every one of them could baptize, probably they couldn't because some were children perhaps and, and maybe the women didn't do that, I don't know. But even if all 120, then if each one had to baptize 25 people. 
What would we have to do if God says, are you ready? What, wait, no, wait, wait a minute, God. I don't know. Are we ready? Hmm. Go on in your reading of that scripture there. Acts 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42. Now, after the 3,000 were added to their number that day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in, in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. Now, can't, you can't really say that can happen again, can it? Yeah, I think it can. Will it? That I don't know. Is God willing for it to happen? God wants it to happen, I'm convinced, because he still wants his lost people found. He doesn't want anyone to perish. There is coming a day when there will be a dividing, but he doesn't want that. He wants his lost people found. So therefore he needs the leaders in the church to want that too if he wants it. But he also needs and wants the people to want that and be willing to pay the price. Again, that's not money. It's hard work. Think of these four elements that we just talked about here. Not, not the three conditions. These four elements of what that new church was about. First, it says they uh, got together and, and understood the apostles' teaching or doctrine. They, they learned. There were some things they didn't know. Now, those people who came to faith that day, most of them had a Jewish background. So there certainly would have been some commonality to their understanding. But, but this idea that Jesus now was in fact the Messiah was new to them. And they had to understand. And he's coming again. When? They had to begin to learn these things. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. And number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Oh, we're pretty good at that, aren't we? Sure, we like to have fellowship. We're going to have fellowship afterwards, honor John and Bertie. We find a lot of excuses to get together for fellowship. No, they, they devote themselves to breaking of bread. Well, some think that that is the communion service that they... They devoted themselves to that because it reminded them of what Jesus had done and was going to do. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship with one another, to the breaking of bread to remind themselves of what Christ was doing 
and they devoted themselves to prayer. I suspect they spent more time in prayer, maybe, than we do. I, I, I don't know that. I, I have no proof of that. But everything that I read indicates that prayer... You know, one time they got together and prayed, and it says, when they prayed, the building was shaken. I've not experienced that. Could it happen? Yes, I again think God could shake us if we were praying, if we were anticipating with wonder and excitement what he was going to do, what he would do, what, what he might do even today. Because we believe that his arm is not shortened. We believe that he has not been weakened. We believe he is all-powerful. If we, the leaders of the church, if we, the people of his church, believe and want people to come to faith and are willing to pay the price to see that it happens. Wow. Do you like to be in a church where you saw that happen? I would. I would. Uh, can, can God do it again? Sure he can. You know that. You believe that. God can do it again. If he did it once, he can do it again. And I believe he can do anything. Again, the question becomes, is he going to do it again? Maybe. Maybe if we meet those other two conditions. What would it take? I just want to take you through some of my experiences over the years that I was in pastoral ministry. And I was in, in pastoral ministry for 16 years, then almost 20 years at the college, and then for another few years as, as I was moving toward retirement. And that was that was been my experience. So I just want to share some of those experiences from churches that I've served. Did we have any day of Pentecosts? No. Not not like that. I mean we didn't have three thousand people. In fact, the first church I went to, I walked into Sunday school the first day. Little church building, an old schoolhouse has been renovated to be a church. I walked in there. There were two women up front. One of them had a piano. They were picking out songs or something. And they turned around startled. And they looked at me and said, who are you? It's a kind of a strange opening. I said, well, I'm Pastor Ross. I didn't know we had a pastor coming. Well, that was my introduction to my Sunday school staff. They were key. And actually, we developed a pretty good relationship. But that little church was running maybe, I don't know, 15 to 20 in Sunday school. They didn't have church regularly because they didn't have a preacher. So, so when I came, we saw that little church, 15, 20, whatever it was, over the year that, that we were there, grow to about 40. Say, well, boy, that's not very many. No, it wasn't. But if you started with 15 and 20 and you grew to 40... They were pretty excited about that, and so was I. The only problem was, we were starving. 
we, we were. We, Cheryl had to finally take a job. Uh, remember the first time she was able to, and I believe this was in March or April, she was able to save $3 to go to the dime store and buy herself a new blouse. And I was horrified. Of course, she did it because I'd gone and spent 20 cents, I think, on comic books one time. I've talked to Russ. He can identify with that, too. Sometimes it wasn't easy. So we moved to another church. In fact, it was the Dayton church was, was our second church. And we came there, and, and, and well, what, what happened at, at Dayton? Well, the church grew some. I don't know that it grew spectacularly, but it grew, and we had lots of baptisms. That's the key now, isn't it? In that little church where we went from 15 to 20 to 40, I baptized two young people in that year we were there. And in fact, one of them I just had contact with. That was back from 1965. And he's still walking in faith. Praise the Lord. I don't know where the second little girl was, Carol. I wish I knew. Then we came to Dayton. And we saw... A lot of people come to faith there. There were baptisms. Praise the Lord, after I left, uh, I think Rex Cain came, and, and he saw even more fruit growing. The people wanted the church to grow there, but in some ways they weren't willing at that point to pay the price. Oh, that's just my experience there. Then I, I moved from there to Grand Rapids, Michigan. In Grand Rapids, Michigan in 1969 when we got there, the Sunday school had run about 115 uh, per week in Sunday school and about 85 in church. I believe God wants his church to grow. Again, not for numbers, but because he wants his lost people found. Why do we gather? Is it just for us? No. It's for us to be strengthened and encouraged and grow. But it's to have a gathering place where we can invite others to go with us in this faith journey. I was excited. At that church, we went from 115 to 10 years later in Sunday school, running over 160, about 170 we also went from 85 in church to over 180 average in church. And 50, I believe it was 50 or 55 people received Christ in that period of time. You say, well, well wait a minute now. Where two or three are gathered together, the Lord is with them. Yes, he is. No question about that. But from what I read in the book of Acts... That isn't what he wants to have it remain. Thank goodness for two and three who are faithful. But if they join God and want to reach people for God, and they together trust in him, I believe God will give the increase. Did you notice what it says in Acts 2.47? Read that again. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved 
You know, now it wasn't just the 3,000, by the way. We've got this. I, I, I point this out in my own Bible. I've, I've marked it out. There were 5,000 that came to faith later. Men. And then they really began to grow. Really? More than 3,000 to 5,000 to what? God is not limited to what he can do. And I think what he will do. If we will do what he's called us to do. Well, we had, we had many, uh, many baptisms there, as I said. And, and by the way, it was not because of me. I had a conversation. You, some of you get my daily devotion that I send out. And I've been reflecting on some of these things, these very things. I had one pastor wrote to me, yeah, but he said, you, had, you have a unique gift. Well, I don't know if I do or not, but if I do, I think it was the people of Pennelwood that gave it to me. I wasn't, I, I was a, kind of a stumbly speaker. But, but they encouraged me when I saw their willingness to work, their desire to reach people for Christ. It even started in Dayton. I had a, had a young woman call me up one Saturday. I still remember it. She said, Brother Ross. She was from the South. She said, Brother Ross, she said, are you going to get the invitation Sunday? Well, I could. I don't know. I hadn't really planned that yet. Maybe it was Friday she called me. I know usually by Saturday I was ready. But, but she said, if you do, she said, I think Joanne's going to come forward. Well, I insured her or assured her that yes I was going to give the invitation because if someone wanted to come to faith I better do my part and Joanne did but then so did Sandy so did Anita so did Jeff so did Dallas David Becky Donna on and on and on Up in Michigan, Cheryl, first year we were there, I think, or the second year, she taught a class of fifth and sixth grade, wasn't it, Cheryl? Fifth and sixth, I think. Anyway, about in that age bracket, and don't you know, in those next few years, I think every one of them made their decision to become Christians. Now, there was a lot more that kept coming in, but I watched... Those young people gained the excitement that was happening because they saw God at work in the other adults, in the leadership of the church, and they wanted to be a part of it too. It was, it was really the church people. I, I can't praise those people. Now, don't misunderstand me. We had our share of gripers. We had those who didn't think I ought to even be there. Here we were. We, I think we had 258 one, one Sunday in, in uh, Sunday school. And, and within a year or so, one of them started a petition to fire me. Well, he got six votes, but that's all. 
But so you're always going to have some. And that's part of life. But the majority of people loved coming to church, seeing people come to faith, seeing people step up and say, I want to be a part of this. I want to be in the coming kingdom. And that's what church is supposed to be. An entryway to introduce people to the Christ who still loves, to the God who still desires. It was unfortunate there. We, uh, by the way, we seated 140 in church, in that church there. And when we averaged 180, you can imagine what the problems we had. That's like on the day of Pentecost when you have 3,000 people coming in. What do you do? Well, we had to open up the balcony and, and get seats up there. I think the fire marshal would have been aghast because there was only one exit. Well, you could have jumped over the railing, I guess, but that would have been problematic. But we saw people coming, coming to faith, wanting to be there. We had to run a full junior church program. One, one big Sunday, we had 92 people in junior church. Those kids were being taught the things that would bring them to their own faith step as they moved through the church and came to faith. Well, unfortunately, we needed to, to, to build and... Uh, It still concerns me. The, the chairman of the board at that time took it upon himself to go and call on the new people that were coming to church and explain to them how, well, we'd been this big before and, and we'd probably die back down again. And No, we, he didn't think we needed to build a new church or, or add on. And that was discouraging. That was discouraging. Some of those people then quit coming to the church because they said, wow, if that's the leadership and... And Pastor Ross, you know, there's a mixed message. Well, that's too bad. By the way, that church isn't running 180 anymore either. It's running 75, as I understand. No. Unfortunately, so many of the people then are not growing up in the faith. They did. They went so far, but couldn't go further. Well, then, then we moved down to Arizona. And we saw some amazing things happen. If there was a day of Pentecost... Maybe we saw that there. We had, we had averaged 110 in church service before we got there. So it was, a, it was a, you know, for us, a pretty nice sized church. It was okay. That was in September when we, when we went there. By that first spring, we had 349 people in church. What an exciting day! But it was from that day that the opposition said, now wait a minute. Why, what were they opposed to? Didn't they want to see that? Well, they didn't. They didn't. They wanted to see people come to faith. But they feared losing authority and power. It was, wait a minute. It was their church. And any time we start thinking it's our church, we better watch out. Whose church is it? It's the Lord Jesus Christ's church. If, if we don't see people coming to faith, there must be something preventing 
what is the natural expectation of a church. A church that is alive grows. If your garden is alive, maybe it isn't if you didn't put any water on it the last few weeks, but if it's alive, the expectation is it's going to grow. If you went out and sowed your corn, you would expect it to grow. You would worry when you couldn't get it in the ground at the right time, whether there's enough sun, whether you got the right fertilizer on. But the expectation is your corn's going to grow. And when it does, you expect to see a harvest. And so it is with God's church. You expect to see a harvest. I remember those years we were at in Arizona. We had a summer youth camp. And I remember especially I was asked to speak one of those nights at, at this particular youth camp up in mountains of California. And, and at the conclusion of the service, I, I gave an invitation. And young people, these are young people, young people started coming forward to indicate their desire to ask Christ to become part of their lives. And then they kept coming. And, and, and then more kept coming. And, and then more, and, and I had some, I think it was 50 or so, young people around me wanting... Christ is part of their life. Now, I didn't really see about it. We, we had the pastoral staff there that was getting names and counseling and things. I, 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 I only saw one. That was the night Seth came forward to accept Christ as his Savior. That's, that's what should be happening in our churches. That's what can happen in our churches. That's what the expectation is of us if we're doing what God calls us to do, if our pastoral team is doing what God called them to do, because God assuredly will do what He wants to have happen, because He wants His lost people found. Does God want them found? Yes. Is our pastoral team Ready to do that? I think yes. Are we, the church, ready to do that? Well, we have to ask ourselves, are we? What if next Sunday God says, well, let's just see if they are. Well, next Sunday, another summer Sunday. We can't get to church. I mean, we've got, you know, a lot of stuff. We've got a picnic and we've got a reunion and, and we've got this and we've got that. Well, we just can't make it Sunday. God says, well, I guess you don't, you don't care. Or he could say, well, I'm going to show you something anyway. Next Sunday, what would happen if we had 300 people show up here for church? We, uh, we'd say, yay, wouldn't we? And then we'd say, where are we going to put everybody? But wouldn't that be exciting? Wouldn't you like to be a part of a church like that? Where God is praised. Where God is exalted. Where people are coming to faith. Because the pastoral team and the people of our church want to reach people for Christ. 
And they're willing to pay the price. Dynamic, exciting, awe-inspiring, God wants it. But you know, we become dulled of heart in many ways, we say. Well, eh, can't you get all excited over this stuff? Yeah, I do. Still do. I can't do what I once did anymore. But I love being part of a church that was growing. I loved those Sundays when we would have three and four people walk down the aisle. That's the way we did it then. They'd walk down the aisle and indicate taking their stand before others. I want to be a Christian. I can guarantee you if we started, if, wait a minute, what did I say? If we started, if we started talking to people and leading them to the point of making a decision for Christ, we, we could see that happen. Now, maybe three or four isn't. Maybe that's too many. Maybe it isn't enough. I'm not going to limit God if He wants to bring people day by day into the fellowship of the church. What a day that would be. Man, we wouldn't have to worry about down Sundays because I wouldn't miss. I wouldn't want to miss if we were seeing new people come to faith every day. After that Sunday when Seth came forward at that camp, I don't know, Seth, what did we have? Five, six, seven of you young people baptized that day. And we also had at the other end of the spectrum, not only were our young people coming to faith, but I baptized an airline stewardess. We don't call them stewardesses anymore, do we? That's, that's sexist. But here was a young woman, sharp young woman, and a group of young people who were taking their stand, wanting to become members of the body of Christ. That's what numbers mean to me. I don't care if we have 100. I don't care if we have 150. I don't care if we have two or three. Yes, I do. I don't mind starting with two or three. But I believe that God wants his lost people found. And I want to be part of that if I can be. I want to be a part of that. Maybe I can help help some lost people find a way to their Savior. What a joy to be a part of serving the God of this universe. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for the hope that is ours in Christ. Thank you for your calling to us. Your calling to us to be part of your work. Doing what we've been called to do. And watching you do what you did back then. 
Bless us, Lord, as we go forth. And we look forward to next Sunday. We look forward to every day. As we see you at work in our lives and the life of our church. We pray in Jesus' name.